We interrupt our program to bring you this important message. Good morning, everybody. Uh, this is our second podcast, and this may be the most important one that we will ever do because I have a guest today, uh, Matt Truella, who is, uh, I would say, the leader in the opportunities that we can implement to fight tyranny. So before we begin, though, I, I promise that every one of these podcasts, I'm going to tell a little bit about grace or something special about grace. I'm going to do two things today. So today is November 17th. Uh, my 36th anniversary was two days ago. And on our 29th anniversary, Grace, uh, we were um, we were pressing apples. We have a small apple orchard. We were making cider, and Grace was out helping me and and my wife Cindy. And I said, Grace, did you know that it's Mom and Dad's 29th anniversary today? And she quipped right back, "Happy misery." So anyway, that's that's the sense of humor of my little buddy. Um, more importantly than that, though, we, we received a note on the anniversary of Grace's death, which was October 13th of 2022, the one-year anniversary, and this lady wrote, Grace definitely had an impact on people. When you spent time with Grace, the worries of the world felt lighter and less important, and boy, do we need that today. Uh, <clears throat> I started this podcast because the single most important thing that I have learned from Grace's death is that I need to deprogram myself. So this is called deprogramming with Grace's dad for that reason. I, Grace, Grace woke me up to how much I've been programmed. And today's um, podcast is going to drill down something that is near and dear to my heart, which is how do we properly fight against medical tyranny. So my guest today, Matt Truella, is the pastor of Mercy Seat Christian Church in Milwaukee. He unbelievably has been married 41 years, has 11 children, 27 grandchildren. When you see him, you'll see that he looks younger than me, so I don't know how he's pulled all this off. He's the founder of Missionaries to the Preborn, and the book that I want to spend some time on with Matt today, The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates. And the subtitle of that book is A Proper Resistance to Tyranny and a Repudiation of Unlimited Obedience to the Civil Government. So that uh, teases you a bit as to what we're going to do. So um, before we jump in with Matt, I want to set the backdrop as to where we are at literally today with medical tyranny. Those of you who know Grace's story know that she was murdered in the hospital on October 13th, 2021. And that murder was a result of the medical tyranny that we are experiencing today. So Don, can you bring up the first slide, please? So this slide asked the question, is COVID over? And the reason I put this slide together is because on September 19th, President Biden announced to the world that the pandemic is over. And on September 20th, I, I went online and looked at, is that really true? And I found out that the United States had almost 29,000 hospital admissions for the week ending September 20th. These are hospital admissions related to COVID. Then I took six other countries that have a population combined just a little higher than the United States, and those countries had 17,000 less hospitalizations in the same week. If you go to the second piece of that, uh, that one, uh, Don, okay, thank you. You have that up. All right, so then you project out two to three weeks, which is when the people who entered the hospital would be murdered. And if you look at that slide, you see that we had 1,085 deaths on October 5th. And these are deaths that were coded COVID-19 pneumonia. So this is crazy. So these people, uh, even though the president said the pandemic is over, this is literally happening. And then on the anniversary of Grace's death, October 13th of 2022, he re-upped the public health emergency. And the purpose of re-upping the public health emergency is the continuation of the PREP Act, which provides immunity from liability for killing people, 
and provide the bonuses for the hospitals to follow the NIH protocols to kill people. And the third leg of that stool is to provide immunity for the jab manufacturers. Well, now that situation of immunity has gone to the wayside because they've added the jab to the childhood vaccination schedule. So my suspicion is they'll re-up the public health emergency again. They have to do this every 90 days by law. I suspect they'll do it because the hospitals are going to start filling up with people who have had the jab and are now developing symptoms. So they're going to re-up the public health emergency and I think it's just going to continue. Let's go to the last slide for the open, Don. All right, so I wanna frame these numbers so that people have an understanding of where the United States fits into this uh, drama. So we only have 4.3% of the world's population, yet we are number one in COVID deaths. We have 1.1 million COVID deaths in the United States. So you think, well, that, that seems crazy. We're number one. But if you frame it in terms of number two, it really puts it into perspective. Number two is India. India has four times the population of the United States and only has one third of the land mass, yet their death rate is less than 50% of the United States. So what's the reason? We are the only country on the planet following remdesivir and ventilator protocols. Remdesivir has a 75% kill rate, three doses and more, and the protocol is five doses. Ventilators have a 90% kill rate. So why are we doing this? Uh, you can't make it up. The financial reason to do it, we all know about the agenda. So obviously they're trying to reduce world population, but their excuse is the burden especially of the elderly and disabled, which were the number one and number two causes of death with COVID. Those are not comorbidities, those are just facts. Those two population groups account for 39% of the federal budget. So they have a financial incentive to take those population groups out. And they have uh, convinced the population to believe in a term called collectivism, which is we have to do this for the good of the population. Uh, let's move on to the short video to introduce uh, Matt's perspective of this, and then we'll, we'll uh, bring Matt in. A young 19-year-old woman with Down syndrome was murdered here in our state of Wisconsin. Murdered at a hospital via one of these death protocols for COVID. And she was actually given a cocktail which killed her made of Presidex, Lorazepam, and morphine. She was given a DNR, do not resuscitate, no consent from their family for that. When she was actually dying, they begged for them to intervene for her, and the medical staff stood there and did nothing. This is the type of evil we're talking about, and it's happened to thousands of people across the country. It's like 1984 in the brave new world all rolled into one, a dystopian culture where the media and government officials laud medical professionals as the heroes when they're actually the murderers. Hospitals are not safe places. All our lives we've been taught the guys in the white coats are good guys. They're looking out for you. They're not looking out for you. massive amounts of money for killing people. They are incentivized financially to follow these protocols that are designed to kill people. And the protocols, they came from the federal government, from the so-called health experts. You see the 
windows, they started looking out, going, what's going on here? Grace brought so much joy to her family. They held her dear. And now, because of what has happened to her, she is impacting the community mightily. There are thousands of people who've lost their loved ones through these death protocols for COVID at the hospitals. But they won't speak out. They're fearful to speak out. But Grace's dad, Scott, loves her. And he is speaking out. He will not let this go. And he's making known that this evil must be stopped and that justice must be determined for his daughter and for the thousands of others who've been killed at hospitals across America. You have to understand, the hospital is not a safe place. And that's why it's important that we build our own medical structures here in America at a grassroots level across this country, clinics, home clinics even, in order to care for the medical needs of people because they've realized the medical industry is insane. They are psychopaths, they've lost their minds, they're evil. They are getting rid of the good people, the people who refuse to get the shot, the vaccine, the people who refuse to follow these deadly protocols. They're getting rid of them. And they're making sure that they only have the blithely compliant who only care about their careers and climbing the ladder for money and for prestige. That's how wicked it is. And that's why it's so important that we build our own medical structures in order to not be at their mercy. And Dr. Gordon Donaldson spoke at our County Before Country about the importance of these Christian medical structures. And I cannot encourage you strongly enough to help do business with them, build these things within our communities. Uh, they're gonna become more and more important because these tyrants are not going away. They are not done by any means. They're gonna unleash more evil in our nation in the months ahead. So I could hardly believe when I saw that post that Matt put together, he attended the rally we had for Grace on April 8th. And I, I had no idea he was gonna put that together. I just watch it again right now. It's a, it's a tearjerker. So thank you, Matt. Uh, Don, can you bring Matt in now? All right, Matt, thank you very much for being here. This is uh, quite an honor to have you on the program. I, I personally believe this is gonna be the one that is gonna shake things up. So um, what I wanna do is I wanna spend some time on this doctrine of the lesser magistrate. And I've read your book, I think it's absolutely fantastic, but I wanna have people understand this without having to read the book so they can listen to this podcast. So define the word magistrate first so people understand. Yes, a magistrate is anyone who holds political office, public office, um, whether by election or by appointment. So magistrates are anyone from a policeman all the way up to a president. That's what we mean by magistrate. So then what is the doctrine? Yeah, the doctrine is simply that when the higher ranking civil authority makes unjust or immoral law, policy, or court opinion, the lower or lesser ranking civil authority has both the God-given right and duty not to obey, and if necessary, to actively resist the superior civil authority. Um, that's the doctrine in a nutshell. I often quote Emperor Trajan. He was giving a sword to one of his subordinates, and he kind of summed up the doctrine uh, when he gave the sword to his subordinate. He said, use this sword against my enemies if I give righteous commands, but if I give unrighteous commands, use it against me. And that's the doctrine in a nutshell. When the superior civil authority does evil, the duty of the lesser authorities is not blithe compliance. Rather, their duty is what we call interposition. It's a historic Christian doctrine. The historic Christian doctrine of interposition where you stand in between the oppressor and his intended victim. You can do it verbally, you can do it physically, or you can do both. Um, and we see this throughout scripture. Uh, remember the Hebrew midwives, for example, they were told by Pharaoh to kill the male Hebrew children. They interposed, they refused to do it. God blessed them 
for disobeying the civil authorities. Another example is also, remember Saul's foolish edict, Jonathan starts a fight with the Philistines. Saul, his father, gets involved in the battle and he makes this dopey decree that declares that no one should eat anything till the battle's over. Well, Jonathan didn't hear about it. And so he ate a little honey and Saul was gonna kill his own son for doing that. But the scripture says that the people interposed and said, not one hair shall be touched on the head of him who brought Israel such a great victory today. That's what interposition is, um, where you stand in the gap between the oppressor and his attendant victim. We saw Christians do this back in the late 80s, early 90s here in America. Over 90,000 Christians were arrested in a four-year period for interposing at the doors of abortuaries, death camps, abortion clinics, to protect the pre-born. And when it comes to the interposition of the lesser authority, they use their lawful office in order to stand in interposition between the tyrant superior civil authority and the people they intend to oppress. The foremost treatise ever written on the doctrine was by John Knox in his 1558 appellation to the nobles of Scotland. I encourage everyone to read that. And he cited over 70 passages of scripture to show that this doctrine is sound in the word of God. So that's what the doctrine is in a nutshell. That's fantastic. You did a great job summarizing it. Can you uh, walk through an example? I mean, you've got so many examples in the book. The the one where the uh, using the sword against me, I thought was when I read that, I thought that was a godly man. So that's that was right on. But can you give an example of uh, a government tyranny where this doctrine has been used? Uh, yeah. And let me give you a recent example dealing with your topic here today of this medical tyranny, because they really have weaponized um, the medical industry against the people of America. And um, you may recall, uh, Scott, like back when this all began in 2020, um, the governors were coming out with their new draconian right. orders like every 72 hours or every week. Um, so in May of 2020, Governor Pritzker down in Illinois, who's been a tyrant all along, he came out with his newest edict, and it was this. No businessman can open their business anywhere in Illinois until I say you can open your business. And now, if you open your business before I say you can open it, you will now be arrested and charged with a crime. That's what he, that's what he said. And the next day, in a state of 102 counties, only one county assembled their county board and they put out their own decree. This is Madison County, sits directly across the Mississippi River from St. Louis. And their decree from the county board was that their businessmen are free to reopen now and that they would use all their power and all their authority to protect their businessmen. And they also cautioned the governor and the state not to interfere with their businessmen. Well, of course, you know, Governor Pritzker in good tyrant fashion responded the next day um, with a press release where he threatened the county board of Madison County to remove their federal money, their state money. He had a whole list of bad things he was going to do to them if they didn't get with the program. In fact, he held this press conference for the next three days condemning Madison County. This was a huge news story. But the men of Madison County stood resolute. They did not waver. And then one week after Governor Pritzker had come out with that decree, the Illinois State Police put out a press release stating that they would not arrest any businessman anywhere in the state who opened their business before Governor Pritzker said they could. They had decided to stand with the men in Madison County. So understand if it had not been for the interposition of this one lone county the whole state would have remained under this draconian decree because once Governor Pritzker heard that the Illinois State Police weren't going to arrest anybody, the very next day he rescinded his order. <laughs> so, and understand also the guy who heads up Madison County down there in Illinois um, is a Christian brother. And he had read my book on the doctrine of the lesser magistrate two years earlier and had taught it to the men on their county board. 
They know exactly what their duty was in the sight of such evil. And that's a county that has continued to stand against the evils of Governor Pritzker again and again and again. That, that is, that's fantastic. That was a great example. So yeah. uh, we, we're hearing this term, uh, you keep saying it, interposition. Uh, what, what the term that I keep hearing is standing the gap. And this is what we're hearing now with people that get this. So it's it's really the same thing. But this example is literally a tangible example of what we can do, and it makes a difference. So you think, how could one county board stand against a governor? That seems impossible, but it literally happened. And you have lots of examples in the book. And you know, this man was empowered by understanding the principles behind this doctrine, which you've laid out eloquently in, in the book. So thank you for doing that. I want to read um, uh, something from page 50 of the book and then have you comment on it. So I'm going to read directly. It's, this is on page 50. It says, when tyranny presents itself, almost never do all the lesser magistrates stand and resist. Whether the opposition and tyranny comes from the higher magistrate or from the lesser magistrate, even when some lesser magistrates take a stand, usually the majority will go along with the tyranny. This is how things go when good becomes evil and evil becomes good in a nation. Must go along to get along. That's what sustained Hitler's Germany and Stalin's Russia. Can you comment uh, on where we are at today in light of yeah. that paragraph, Matt? Absolutely. Um, well, you look at, take the whole pre-tendemic, for example. Um, people used to say to me, you know, how did Hitler get away with what he got away with? How does Stalin get away with what he got away with? And when the whole thing happened with the pre-tendemic, I was like, you're watching it happen right in front of your eyes. Everybody goes along to get along. They blithely comply with the edicts that come forward, follow all the masking. And of course, there's an army of lawyers threatening all the businesses that, you know, you're going to end up in litigation if you don't go along with the government's edicts. And then you have people who only care about themselves, about their careers. They won't speak out when they know evil is being done. And we've seen this amongst the medical personnel. Uh, we've seen this amongst government officials. We've seen this amongst churchmen. Um, people all go along to get along. That is how evil strengthens itself. Understand evil and tyranny is built plank by plank. You have to understand that. I like to use the example of the Jews during World War II. They weren't told to come down to the railroad station one day and jump on the boxcars. It started eight years before the boxcars, and the very first law was you can't sit on a public park bench. And the Jews thought, well, it is just a public park bench. You know, it is just a mask. And they accommodated themselves to that. And then there was another law, and then another law, and they kept accommodating themselves to those things until the tyranny had strengthened itself so well that they were powerless to stand against it. So when you see tyranny raise its ugly head, Scott, it's important that people um, resist at a personal level. Like no one should wear the mask. I refuse to wear the mask. During the whole thing, I never wore a mask. And then it's also important that you join with people publicly. And this is the greatness of the doctrine of lesser magistrate. You're joining with those who possess lawful power, lawful authority and you're prodding them to do their duty and interpose against the evil that's being done here rather than complying with it. Um, and that's better. <laughs> that's a good way to do it. So it's um, an important matter that people need to understand. They bought everyone off in believing this whole pre-tendemic matter with two things, a mountain of lies and a mountain of money. And people love the money. They are like, you know, Thorin at the mountain of Erebor, just glazed over with all the, the politicians love the money. The churchmen even love the money. The people love the money. The medical industry love the, loves the money. It is so wicked what has been done here. And that's why 
when you have a magistrate who will stand in interposition against it, that's a rare gem and the people must rally to them. The duty of the people in the doctrine of the lesser magistrates, Scott, is to prod their authorities to do right, their magistrates to stand in interposition against the evil, and to assure them if they do do right and stand in interposition against it, that they will give of their persons, of their property, of their prayers, both publicly and privately in total support of the efforts being done by the lesser authorities. And that is greatly needed in America today because the evil is so rampant and this nation is burning itself to the ground. So then in that, I think that's spot on in that context. So just take the masks as an example. Um, so if none of the lesser magistrates stand up, there's no one to rally around. So the people individually don't wear masks, but how does that fit into the doctrine? Sure. Well, it doesn't necessarily fit into the doctrine, but it fits in the scenario of fighting against tyranny. If everyone complies, then the evil is able to strengthen itself. And so it's extremely important that you don't comply. And I told people, today it's the mask. Next week it's going to be you got to get the shot. And that's exactly what happened. It was incredibly crazy, the conformity that people displayed. Usually any store I went to where I didn't wear a mask, I was the only one not wearing a mask. And I was only thrown out of four stores during that whole year and a half while everyone was doing that. Uh, the last store I was thrown out of was about a little over a year ago at a Best Buy. I went there with my 15-year-old daughter and um, we walked in and two young men were there and they said, oh, sir, you have to have a mask on to shop here. And I looked at him and I said, well, we don't wear masks. And he said, oh, well, then we have just the thing for you. And he points down to this card table and there's a bunch of face shields sitting there. <laughs> I looked down at those face shields and I looked up at him and I said, if you think I'm going to put that on my face and walk around your store like Jojo the circus monkey, I said, you're living in a fantasy land. And the look on his face was priceless. <laughs> we ended up in about a five minute conversation. I ended up leaving, letting him know, I will never return here again and do business with you guys. That needs to happen. Um, understand too, there were plenty of business people who just put the signs up because they feared the health officials. Too much power has been given to health officials. And I kept pleading with our legislature in Wisconsin, um, remove the power that you should have never gave to them to begin with. And they wouldn't do it. They were all drunk on the money too. They loved all the money that they had. Even I'm, I live in Washington County in Wisconsin. It is the reddest county in the, out of the 72 counties in Wisconsin. And our county, they had me come in and teach the doctrinal lesser magistrate three years earlier before this. And we had county supervisors there, the sheriff was there, some state reps were there and the public was invited in. So our county was the only county that issued resolutions in defiance of Governor Evers. And we did it just six weeks into the so-called Six weeks in, we put out a decree, we're not following any of these things. And then we later also put out a resolution in August of 2020 demanding of our Republican legislature to do their duty and check the governor because they had the authority to check the governor, but they were hiding right. behind lies that they couldn't do anything. So, but even the county I live in, Washington County, kept taking the money. <laughs> and I, I, kept, I ended up, you know, loggerheads with these men because I'm like, you, you can't take the money. The money legitimizes the fiction in the minds of men. And right they would on. say, well, if we don't take the money, somebody else will. I said, fine, let someone else take the money. Let us be a light on a hill so that other counties hopefully will rally and stand against the evil and the tyranny. That's why it's important to be resistant at a personal level and also to join with magistrates and stand at a public level. Well, you, you nailed that, that answer, Matt. Thank you. Um, 
just a, a funny story I was sharing this last weekend about Governor Evers. You know, when we he issued the shelter at home order, I don't know if you read it or not, but I did read it. And there was a carve out. Uh, so there was one group of people who didn't have to shelter at home and it was carved right out. Do you know who that was? No. The homeless. <laughs> you can't you can't make that up. I mean, I saw humor in it. Um, the yeah. um, the um, related question that I have, I want to go back to the earlier question is, where do you so in Nazi Germany, uh, I've been speaking out with Vera Sherev regarding that we're at the the idea that we're at the beginning of a worldwide Holocaust. And mm -hmm. she has pointed out wisely that it just like you said, it didn't just start the Jews didn't go to the the concentration camps day one. So in that context, where do you think we are? I mean, they're already literally killing people. So are we, you know, we know that there's a worldwide agenda to reduce population. Where do you think we're at? So if the concentration camps are the end goal, so it's not literally going to be that today, but where are we at in that eight to nine year timeline before they are going to unleash the tyranny that is beyond belief. That's hard to say because even think about when they unleash what they did in 2020, everyone was just stunned, bowled over like, wow, where did this come from? Right. Right. And so, but we do know we're in a bad situation that the situation is dire and it's not just a matter of medical freedom and medical tyranny. There's so much evil in our land. I mean, right. Congress just sat there last night and codified, you know, homosexual marriage into federal law. The evils are tremendous. By the way, 12 Republicans voted with them to do that. The evil is tremendous. And so I don't know exactly where we are at at this time as to how this is all going to play, anything like that. I do know that when evil raises its ugly head, it has to be responded to. If you accommodate it, they just move on to the next plank of their tyranny. Yeah, and that's, that's understand true. when you accommodate them, that is exactly what they do. They move on to the next plank of their tyranny. It's only if men stand in opposition to their evil that it can stop their evil, that it can at least slow down their evil and expose their evil. Because when men take a stand, against their evil, it forces the tyrant authority out of their lair and they have to show their fangs. And then poor people more readily see just how evil they are. That, that's fantastic. You know, what, what motivated me to uh, get you on the program was listening to your sermon that you gave the Sunday before the election, uh, the midterms. And I would like you to comment on what we can do against tyranny in framing the Mandela Barnes and Ron Johnson race. Because when you explain that in the sermon, that hit me like a ton of bricks. And this is the first election, the midterms, that I did not vote in since I was eligible to vote because of that sermon. That's how much of an impact it made. And Don, I would like to get that sermon in the show notes because it is it's a game changer when people hear it. So can you comment on that, Matt? Sure. Yeah, I, I'm an expositional pastor, preacher. And so I've been pastoring for 34 years and the church where I pastor is Mercy Seat Christian Church. So I go through a book at a time, uh, verse by verse. And uh, I also break it up, of course, with topical sermons here and there also. And so I've preached through 42 books of the Bible um, in the 34 years at mercy seat right now i'm preaching through second chronicles and it just so happened that chapter 12 of second chronicles worked perfect to address some matters that need to be addressed regarding the upcoming election in fact this past sunday after the election second chronicles chapter 13 happened to contain some matters um we have a channel called matt chuel at youtube which has the sermons there understand some of my sermons have been read by youtube including one i did shot and tyranny of man and that um sermon had over a hundred has over a hundred thousand views and listens i preached that i can't even remember it was a year and a half ago maybe may of 2021 
And, um, but they removed it because you know how they censor people. Um, so, by the way, I preached my first sermon against the whole pandemic nine days after Donald Trump announced the national emergency. I spent the entire week reading epidemiologists, virologists, devoted their entire lives to these things. And they were debunking the whole thing. This is before they started censoring them all and removing them all. But if you did your due diligence, you could see. And I already understand I have a biblical of the nature of man that he's wicked and in need of a savior. I'm a student of history of the governance of men. I know how wicked and evil they behave. So I was very suspicious to begin with when this all came down. And so just nine days after it was um, decreed, I preached my first sermon responding to it. And then there were numerous sermons subsequent to that, that I also responded to what they were doing um, from the word of God. You know, like you don't um, quarantine the healthy, you quarantine the sick, according to God's law. And these types of things, very basic. And um, so, yeah, but... My thing with the sermon you're referencing about the pre-election sermon and the post-election one, too, is that Christians have to understand we have to quit voting for men who openly impugn the law of God. And I'm not talking about being nitpicking here. I'm talking about like the area of innocent blood being shed where they are okay with certain preborn babies being killed by abortion. Right now within the Republican Party, you have people even in Wisconsin, we need to allow those conceived in rape and we need the first trimester to be allowed to be murdered by abortion. Both are wrong. And so I tell Christians, Christians don't vote for murder. If a man is saying, I'm going to murder people, whether it's Tony Evers, who wants to murder just about everybody, or whether it's Tim Michaels, who decides that, yeah, we should murder the preborn conceived in rape or incest, Christians don't vote for men who who plan on murdering people. We don't vote for the shedding of innocent blood. And the same thing when it comes to another national sin, this whole matter of sodomy. It seems to have no bottom. Haven't people figured that out yet? When you think they've reached the lowest level of their depravity, they find a new low. And the Republicans have been aiding and abetting this, both the bloodshed of the innocent preborn for decades and they've also been aiding and abetting this push of Sodom across our nation. So I pointed out in my sermon also, some young people from our church went to him, was having, and some one of them asked him about the Respect of Marriage Act. Go on and say that he was full of each other, um, a man and a man, or a woman and a woman. They should be able to marry just as a man and a woman can marry. And he said many other crazy things, showing he is totally good <laughs> with this wickedness. And so I pointed out the fact Christians tell their children, this is the good guy, we vote for him. And then they hear him say that, that he told everybody in the room, this is a wound we should let go and just move on. And he said the Supreme Court's never going to undo the Obergefell opinion for homosexual marriage. Um, so he, he's teaching everyone to accept homosexual marriage. And then he openly states that he's good with it because these, if these people love each other, they should have the same rights and benefits of a man and a woman joining in marriage. You tell your children, this is the good guy. And then they hear him say that this is a great compromise, Scott, within American Christianity. And I get it. You know, we're learning as we go, but it's reached the point where you have to decide, are you going to stand with the Lord and his law and word, or are you going to keep compromising? And people keep saying, well, if we don't vote for the Republicans, things are going to get worse. And I keep responding by saying, haven't you noticed that while you've been voting for the Republicans, things have been getting worse. And I'm very engaged in the political process in Wisconsin and nationally. And so I've watched this for years and decades where the Republicans have aided and abetted evil again and again. Right. And it needs to end. And we need as Christians to call the magistrates to account, whether it's Tony Evers, 
whether it's Tim Michaels, whether it's Ron Johnson, when they speak wrongly and openly impugn the law and word of God, we need to call them to account privately. And there's times we need to call them to account publicly. That's perfectly said, Matt. Thank you very much for that. God's way is always outside of the lesser of two evils. And we have to stop looking at everything in that prism of, of evil and and supposedly good because it's all the lesser of two evils. The only thing that is truly good is God. And if we don't, so in the example of murder, sodomy, I mean, we know where God stands. So it's crystal clear. Anything less than that is is in the paradigm that we're, they've programmed us to think that way. Yeah. Yeah. We need to see repentance and we need to see fruit of repentance. Every Christian loves to quote Second Chronicles 7.14. And yeah, but where's the repentance? You're actually voting for a man who openly impugns the law of God based on situational ethics, the way I address in my sermon, which most people know nothing about badness of situational ethics, but which we've all been schooled in in America. And so we just say these things when... It comes situational ethics. You can't have, like what you just said, any moral standard, any moral absolutes. They are verboten to situational ethics. So anyway, yeah, people can listen to the sermon and hear the things I had to say there. And thank you for mentioning it. Oh, you're welcome. It was fantastic. All right. So now I want to take this. We're, we're getting toward the end and I want to uh, have you help with the hospital lane. You know, I'm squarely in the hospital lane. So now that the government has taken tyranny to the hospitals and they're paying the hospitals incentives that follow protocols that kill. So essentially the hospitals now are doing the government's bidding. What can we do in light of the doctrine of the lesser magistrates to stop this killing. Yeah. We've been programmed to think that we can trust the hospitals. They're a safe zone. They're not a safe zone. So no. can you comment on some specific things that we can do? Yeah, absolutely. Well, when it comes to the doctrine of the lesser magistrate, there already are counties in America that have passed ordinances and there's municipalities have already passed ordinances that make it clear that any mask or shot mandates um, will not be followed in that county or that municipality. That is the interposition of the lesser authorities. And I always counsel them because I get calls from all around the country where I'm always talking to magistrates who want to do right and take a stand. And I tell them, when you write these ordinances, or if you're just doing a resolution, which fine, at least you're saying something, I say, you have to make it clear, not just mandates from the government, but also mandates from business. Because if you look at like Old Testament scripture and the prophets, they often address two groups, the businessmen and the politicians. And they were addressed because they were often in cahoots together to get evil done in the land. Right, and right, that's right. what's been happening here in America. What they can't get done through the arm of the state, they've been using the arm of the business world, the corporate world to get it done. In fact, remember when Biden a little over a year ago declared that he was going to be pushing for vaccine mandates for any business over a hundred. Right. He knew he was probably going to lose that in the courts and he did. What he did for the next 10 days after that is he met with the big leaders in America, convincing them to make it a mandate if you want to continue to work here. So that's why I tell the lesser magistrates, it'd be both the government mandate or any business mandate. And some people think, you know, well, that's private business. You know, there shouldn't be, um, they should be able to business any way they want. And I'm like, like, are you kidding me? Men fought, bled, and died for the freedom to possess. It matter if it's the government impugning those rights and freedoms and liberties or businesses doing it. They should be kept from doing it. Also, I always point out, are you kidding? We live in fascism. Yeah, you quote unquote own your business, right? But you're run government, democracy, 
manipulation. And if you think your business, yeah, just do something the government tells you you shouldn't do, and you'll see who really owns your business. So this idea of private business is private um, needs to be eschewed by people, and they need to understand, no, our laws need to make it clear whether your mandates are from government or business, they should be out. So could, uh, so I, I believe you're saying that a county board could stand up to a hospital in their county and and put together an ordinance that prevents them from implementing, for example, the what I had said earlier, the remdesivir and the ventilator protocols. They could put in, they could stand the gap um, and do something like sure. that. I'm not sure on that. I do know that each county is responsible for health matters. And that's how the federal politicians and the state politicians have gotten this evil down into the fabric of society is through the lesser authorities, specifically when it comes to matters through the counties. Every county has a health director. And they've all, most all behaved like Nazis, although I can share with you several incidences around the country where a battle's going to ensue. What Don, what I'm going to do is give you a, a directives form that I want in the show notes because how in, individuals can stand uh, in defiance is when you check yourself into a hospital, you give the hospital your directives in writing uh, that you put together ahead of time that you do not want these protocols and they're spelled out. So I'll make sure that those are in the show notes for anybody that uh, enters a hospital. We just did a hospital rescue um, a week and a half ago, and that was the key document to get to stop the behavior of the hospital and get get the man out. But you know, we've got to get this message out. That really is the key. I mean, people have to know. Uh, so in that light, uh, Matt, let's let's wrap things up. What how can we get this out to people? I mean, that really is the thing on my heart. Yeah. Well, you can let people know about our website. We have a website called defytyrants.com. And uh, oh, that's um, simple enough to remember. <laughs> defytyrants.com. So we talk about the document. Yep. And um, of course, you saw the little video that we had made. We have many um, one to five minute videos, the one we did of Grace, um, on a host of topics including um, we have a three-part series on Christian resistance, um, which I encourage everyone to listen to. That, that's at our Defiance Rumble channel. So we um, censored at YouTube, so we decided we still have our YouTube Defy Tyrants channel, but we decided to build, try to build more at Rumble, where they at Rumble and um, uh, see all those different videos and pick out whatever interests you um, to listen to. My book yes. has sold over 100,000 copies now as of August, Scott. If you know anything about publishing, that is massive. That's huge. 97% um, of books published never make the money back for publishing them. So once you wow. um, have broken even, you're done better than 90. We are. You only need 15,000 books sold for the New York Times bestseller list to add you, <laughs> you know? So we're like way, way past. And it's all been done by word of mouth. People have read the book. God does a work in their heart. They're on fire. And they tell it's all been by word of mouth. And so it's extremely important to um, get the word out to other people about this doctrine. Um, and there's a sermon I preach that has just so many... Uh, listens because there's so many cd uh, over a hundred thousand those too um where i was asked to preach to the montana legislature in january of 2015 on the doctrine of the lesser magistrate the montana legislate uh the montana um you know legislature is the only state that still does election sermons every other state okay. gave up election sermons a hundred and some years ago and so I was asked to come in. I preached right there in the rotunda of their Capitol building in Helena. 
There was 200 and some people present, including over 40 legislators and other public officials in Montana to hear about the doctrine. So we have that preserved. If you go to our website, um, you can um, follow that sermon. I always encourage people to download the sermon and give it to public officials, give it to pastors, because often men like that won't read, but they will listen. And so what I found when they listen to the sermon, then they want to read the book. Fantastic. Matt, it was uh, it was an honor to have you. You've got the last word. I need to humble ourselves before the Lord. Uh, we are in very dire times. Uh, we need to hold our spouses dear, our sons and our daughters, our grandchildren dear. Um, it's extremely important that people find a good church to be a part of, to build community with. We did um, these talks that I want to finish by pointing people to. We did a conference a year ago this month called County Before Country. And if you go to countybeforecountry.org, we have six talks there, all 17 minutes or less. We did them in a TED Talk style way. And we covered topics as the authority of a county. That was my topic. We had another churchman from Tennessee who actually suffered under Mugabe over in Africa. His topic was the duty of elders in the face of a tyrant government. Because you know how most of the elders in church have completely um, collapsed before the government and done their bidding during this whole thing. Correct. We cover food, we cover medical, building medical structures, which our church is involved in doing and which we see happening around the area. Second Amendment matter is covered. Um, the matter of schools is covered. I think people are, it's countybeforecountry.org. Fantastic, Matt. Thank you. Have a, have a safe trip back to Wisconsin. Thank you, Scott. God bless you. Same to you. Further details, we return you now to your regularly scheduled program.